0: Thank you. Thanks, D3. Good morning. What does it feel like to be really cared for? I asked a young 15 year old that I know, a boy, does it feel like getting a really big warm hug? He said no. Because he doesn't really like big warm hugs at all. He runs away. He said, I think it's a little bit more like when you're feeling a bit cold and you're standing in the shadows and you step into the sunshine and you feel the warmth of the sun suddenly hit you. Ah, you go. He said, that's what I think it feels like when you're really cared for. We get a sense of relief maybe sometimes, a sense of comfort. Maybe there's a gratitude that swells up in us. Wonderful to hear the story from community meals of that man that was cared for on that desperately cold evening, that that sense of relief brought tears to his eyes because he was really well cared for. Jesus was once asked, what really matters? What is it you want me to do above all things? And this is what he says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the best way to live. We've had all these people tell their stories this morning who would say this is the best way to live. And if we're followers of Jesus, we're called to love, to radically love God and to radically love other people. This morning, the aspect, as you've heard, of love that we're thinking about is care. And Yvonne began to unpack that last week as she talked about being selfless in a selfie world. Jesus lived in a Jewish culture. We know that. And that culture taught that it was right to care for people. And yet, actually, if you looked at the way they lived, if you didn't have a family in that culture, often there wasn't a lot of care coming your way. Thank you. If you had a job that was looked down on or you worked for the wrong people, very little care came your way. If you were considered unclean, and there were very many ways to be considered unclean, there was very little care that came your way. And this Jewish culture sat in the middle of a Greek and Roman culture, and they didn't even teach to care in the same way that the Jewish culture did because they very much believed that your value was to do with what you could actually do. It was all to do with how useful you were in a society. And so if you weren't very useful, you weren't really cared for. They believed sometimes it was right to care, but you only cared for people who could pay you back in some way. It was actually considered weakness to care for the weak. And this is the cultures that Jesus sat in the midst of, and yet he poured out care upon care. there's a wonderful story um, in the Bible of Jesus. And he meets this man who's a really well-respected man. He's got a good position in society. He's a synagogue leader. But this man comes to him in a desperate state and falls on his knees before him and pleads with him because his only child, his 12-year-old daughter, is very sick and dying. And so he pleads with Jesus to come back to his house so that he can heal his one daughter. And so Jesus agrees because he cares for this synagogue leader. And he begins to set out. But then this happens. We read, As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? she asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, and she fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. In the midst of caring for Jairus and his daughter, Jesus is interrupted by this woman who is at the other end of the social scale. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's considered unclean. She shouldn't have even been amongst that crowd. How could she assume and presume to even touch the robe of Jesus? And yet Jesus stops. And when he sees who it is who has touched him, he doesn't dismiss her. He actually listens to her. He gets her to explain what it is that's wrong. And then he doesn't dismiss her. He actually is very caring towards her. He calls her his daughter. He says, My daughter. He says, Yes, you are healed. The healing power you felt is, is true. You are healed. And he blesses her. Go in peace. He cares for that woman. And then a messenger arrives from Jairus's household and says, don't bother Jesus anymore because actually your daughter has died. Jesus hears this and he reassures Jairus and he goes home with him and he heals Jairus' daughter. She comes back to life. Jesus is a game changer. His love was radical and he poured it out on anyone who sought care from him. Regardless of their background, regardless of their status in society, regardless of the value that the world placed upon them, he poured out love and care. didn't matter whether they couldn't ever return the favor. He saw their need, and he cared for them. And Jesus' followers saw this way that Jesus loved radically. They heard him teach about it, telling that they actually had to give out of themselves, go beyond themselves, and give with such care. They saw him love so much that it even took him to the cross to die on the cross. His followers watched this. And they followed his way of life after Jesus had gone. They continued to do this. Yvonne told the story last week of how when two great plagues went through the Roman Empire, killing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the Roman Empire. The great cities of the Roman Empire were deserted because anybody that was affluent or who was able fled from those cities. They fled to the hills in reality, leaving their dead or their dying, their sick in the Street. And in those moments, it was the Christians who did not leave. The physicians left, the priests left, but the Christians stayed in the city and they spent their time, even some of them getting sick and dying, caring for those that were still there. And down through the centuries, followers of Jesus do get it wrong sometimes and do sometimes do wrong things. But down through the centuries, many, many followers of Jesus have lived this way of care that Jesus lived and it has been noticed. And slowly, cultures have changed. Mindsets have changed. People have seen that this is actually the way to live. And now we have policies and statement of human rights that say all people should be equal. That say actually people matter. If there is suffering, we need to care. We don't always get it right as individuals and as communities. Sometimes we don't live it like that. Sometimes we do live in a way that those close to us seem more important than others. But we live in a much more caring society where it is the general mindset that we need to care. Jesus, the game changer, calls us to be game changers. As we've heard in our environments, that we need to treat people with dignity, whoever they are, and pour out this radical love and care. So how can we do this? How do we do that? God, creator, giver of life, is not limited. God can care for people at any time. He can give you all the time in the world because he's not limited by time. God is not limited by space, so he can be fully present with each one of us at the same time. But we're not like that are we? We know that. We're human. And God doesn't ask us to be like that either. He knows that we're limited because Jesus was limited. Jesus was limited by time and space, by tiredness and emotion. We read in the Bible these words. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Jesus has been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but sin. Our capacities to care are not limitless. Our family situations, where we are at our stage of life, our health, whether we've experienced brokenness in growing up, all these things limit our capacity to care. It's important that we take time to to care and nurture ourselves as well. To allow God to nurture who we are as well. And so this takes time as well from our capacity to care as well. And yet knowing that we are limited, we are still called to radical love and radical care. I want you to imagine for a moment that this here is my capacity to care. I have lots of other things happening in my life, but this is my capacity to care. That's how much... I have to pour out. Now your capacity to care will look quite different from mine. Many of you will have a far greater capacity to care. Some of you may have smaller ones depending on your life situations. But although our capacities are limited, God can take them and do amazing things with them. One of the things that God can do with our capacities to care is that He can grow them. He can add to them. He might do this through healing our brokenness. He might do this through changing our circumstances. He might do this by just giving us more strength when we need more strength. We read these wonderful words. This is the message version of a well-known passage in the Bible that says, God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all. You can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. God uh, he doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. He can give me more capacity to care. He can enable me to care in a far greater way than I feel that I can. Another thing that God can do with my capacity to care is he can improve it. (laughs) He can actually make it warmer and deeper. He can improve the quality of it. He can grow my love for other people. I've experienced that in my life in changing my love for people that I've come upon. Across. He can help us to actually notice people that maybe in the past we might have walked right by, people that actually need our love and our care. We read these words. And this explains how he does that because he changes our hearts. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. We can keep asking him, please grow my love for people, grow my fondness that I have such a great fondness for the people that come across my path that I can love them. And he can not only grow the beauty of our love and grow it in its size, but he can point us in the right directions of where to love and care. It may be that he says, actually, I don't want so much of your care poured out here. I actually have this need that I would love you to come over and meet. He can direct where we pour out our needs. It may be that we're um, pouring out our need in exactly the right place. But he says, actually, I've got some better ideas for you. Because I know that need. I know what that need is. And actually, this is a, a little bit better way. Maybe I want you to say this. And he can whisper to us if we ask him, show me how to care. In this situation. There are so many places. We are bombarded by these vats of need. That call us. Pour out your care here. Pour out your care. Give me the care that you have. I'll take that capacity. Thank you very much. Because there are needs that are worldwide. There are needs in our local communities. And there are needs amongst the people that are near to us. And dear to us as well. And for most of us, most of us actually do need to put a little bit of care into each of those vats and buckets. Most of us do need to take a little bit of time. If we've got family, we're responsible for them. We have to care for them. Our local communities, we have to care for the people that we walk by, that we um, encounter. And in our worlds, we have to be responsible citizens. We have to be aware of our environmental footprint. We have to be aware of those things. So in this season of your lives, knowing what your capacities are like, knowing who you are, where is it that you are called to pour out your radical care, your radical love? Where is it that you're called to do that? most likely it's going to completely fit who God has made you to be. So you probably actually won't think it's very radical. It probably won't necessarily feel very radical because it will fit so naturally with who you are. But by showing your love and care, you are showing, actually, I think these people matter. I'm going to uh, treat these people with dignity because I believe that God loves them. And I will love them because God loves them i will love them because they they can have that love and need and be cared for we have so many in our pe- people in our community who are pouring out incredible love and care We have a lot of people in our community who have taken this worldwide um, need on and care for those that have worldwide needs. That's where they're pouring it out. We have people who work in organizations that actually go to the places where the poorest of the poor are and the most vulnerable are and care for them. We have people who promote fair trade. We have people who fight for how much oil people in Timor should get and how much Australia should get. We have people in our community who fight um, and campaign against the government, saying we need to increase our aid that goes out. Michelle Gates has been working for Days for Girls now, volunteering for them for five years now. And I asked her a little bit about that. And in the five years that she's been just in her one little group, they give feminine hygiene projects, um, products, sanitary products to young girls um, in poor countries so that they can have dignity, so that every day of a month they can go to school. They don't have to stay back at home, pouring out care. In the last five years, that little group has sent out 6,000, more than 6,000 packs to girls in the world. And just this year, they've sent out 2,200 packs, radically caring for the girls that receive them. And they've got another 700 to go by the end of the year. Radical love being poured out. We have many, many people in our community who pour out their radical love and care into local needs. We have many who work and volunteer um, in education in healthcare, in prison, in counselling people, in rehab centres, in so many. We have our community meals that we heard about. Um, we have the Heal Clinic, the Bargain Browser. The list goes on and on of people in our community who care for local needs. I was thinking about our builders Many of our builders give their time and give their skills when they hear of a need. I heard the story recently, and I won't say who, of a builder in our community who knew a single mum, and she'd had other builders in who had ripped her off, done a terrible job, and left her house in a mess. And this builder heard about it, and so he got a mate to come with him, and they went free of charge to this woman's house, and they fixed it up and made it nice for her so she could have somewhere good to live. It might not have felt radical to them because they're builders, but it, and it's what they do, not because they're builders, because it's what they naturally do. But it was radical, radical love that they were pouring out radical care for that woman. And many of us as well pour out our love to those that are close to us, whether they're actually related to us or whether they're just people that are close by and we pull them in and, and hold them close. The highlight of the Women's Weekend for one of the younger women there were two moments when an older woman just instinctively saw a need in her at one point I think she got a blanket and she just started to feel cold from this older woman at another point when she was feeling a bit lost and alone this older lady just reached and gave her a massage it was the spot-on thing that she needed in that moment and I have watched this older woman I observe her I observe many of you I watch her (laughs) all for the good I watch her, and she is phenomenal, because she... I won't say who she is, but she... She cares in such an incredible way. There are a couple of younger women in this woman's life and she has opened her home to them. She has opened her life, her wisdom, her love that she pours out on these younger women is absolutely radical. And so many of these people just do it quietly and behind the scenes and we don't really notice. But she humbly cares. And like Jesus the game changer, she gently is radical. We cannot meet all the needs because we're limited. But we can meet many needs. And as a community together, we can meet an astonishing number of needs in our community. And then sometimes when we've poured out all that we think we have and there are only dregs left in the bottom of our capacities, sometimes what happens is we get a moment that challenges us further. I was talking to a woman just this week and she said that morning she was on her way and she needed cash. And so she pulled up at her strip of shops and she parked her car right outside the bank and she went up to the cash point. She left her three little kids in the car because it was right by the bank. She was being safe. And she went to the cash point and got her money out. And as she was doing that, there was a, a, um, a homeless guy, I think it was, that was sitting on the floor beside and he was asking her for help. And she said it was just this moment of being completely torn. She was so aware of how limited she felt at that time, being a woman on her own there with um, her kids in the car behind her. And she, we talked about what could she do. What do we do in those moments? What do we do in those moments when we are really challenged, when we are so aware of how limited we are? I don't know. Perhaps what we do is that we remember God who is beyond all limits, a God who has so much care to pour out. And we ask him, God, in this moment, do I need to be caring for this man? Because he can give us a peace to know what to do. He can stir us so we know I need to care in this situation or know this is a situation that I can just leave and just pray that somebody else will care for this man. We can actually say, God, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? We can ask the man, what, what is it that you want? And we may not be able to do exactly what it is that the man asks, the person asks of us, but we can do something. We can do something to show radical love. As Jesus changed the game when it came to care and to love, we are challenged to care to show God's radical love to other people, even if it costs us. Because Jesus showed his radical love in such a way at the highest possible cost to himself giving up his life. So what is your challenge this morning? Each of us will have a completely different challenge from this morning. Maybe the challenge that you need to hear is that actually you do pour out some care, but there's some of your capacity that you keep. Because maybe you're you're frightened of the cost that might be demanded if you pour out more of your capacity. And maybe God is challenging you this morning, I want you to care more. I want you to give more. So just spend a moment thinking now as we're finishing, God, where is it you want me to care? what is it you want me to do with the capacity that I have left? You might be sitting here this morning and what you need to be hearing is that you are limited and that actually you're giving too much and you're finding it has a strain on your... Um, on all that is around you, and you're sensing God saying to you, I actually want you to pull back a bit, and I actually want you to take a bit of care of yourself so that you can continue to live and to love and to care in different situations. That might be the challenge for some of you. It may be that you've got a niggle, actually, I'm caring in the right place, but I actually think I need to change the way I care a bit. I actually think there's a better way that I can do this caring. And I'm going to just begin to think about that. I begin to think. It may be that you're pouring your care into a worldwide concern. And into your head this morning has popped your neighbor. And actually your neighbor needs more care from you. It may be that you're pouring all your love into your family. And actually some, what has popped into your head is a young mum who maybe is part of this community or somewhere else. Who is desperately in need of help because they have no extended family here. I don't know, it'll be different for each of us. Or maybe, and I think this is true for so many of you, God just wants to say, well done, well done. I love the way you faithfully care. It shines in this world. So as I wrap it up, just take a moment to notice, if God's stirring something, a challenge inside of you, is there a change you must make? What is the first step? As Jesus radically cared for one person and then the next and then the next, teaching others to radically care, treating people with such love and dignity. As his uh, followers continued to love and radically care, the world changed. People see that it is right to care. Let us be people in this community. Let us continue to be people in this community who radically care so that for the people that we care for, their worlds can be changed.